We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Good to be with you today on the network. We got a lot of news and information to cover. Before we do so, I want to do a few housekeeping items. You can listen to the AFA at the Core podcast by visiting our website, AFR.net. The podcast is also available on our app, the American Family Radio app. So if you haven't downloaded that yet, go ahead and download it, if you will. And uh, on it, you'll see the AFA at the Core podcast. We also post the podcast on multiple different platforms, whether it be on your Apple podcast store, your Android podcast store, or even uh, platforms such as Spotify. The AFA at the, co- uh, sh- at the Core show gets uh, posted on those places. So pretty much wherever you listen to podcasts, you can catch up with the show. And the last thing I'll mention is that we are live streaming the video on American Family Radio's Facebook page and also on the AFA at the Core YouTube channel. So either of those places you can watch the show each weekday, Monday through Friday. Proverbs 15.1 is our verse of the week. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's the ESV version there, Proverbs 15.1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's our scripture verse of the week. We'll have my brother Wesley Wildman on in the second segment of today's uh, show. We'll talk about some AFA events coming up and talk about a few other things that we're doing here as a ministry. Tomorrow, we got a special guest coming on the program, Dr. Phil Klein. Uh, Dr. Klein is with the Amistad Project, a project of the Thomas More Society. He is also a professor at Liberty University. He's confirmed for tomorrow. And what we'll do is we'll talk to him about election integrity. We'll talk to him about uh, election abnormalities, election fraud, and what he's discovering about it, and maybe if there's something that states can do or are doing or have already done that can help address and alleviate some of these issues. Jumping right into these stories for today, you know, we've been talking about this eviction moratorium coming out of the CDC and how, you know, the Supreme Court, they they basically said in their ruling last month well, really in, in June, in late June, so over a month ago, the Supreme Court admitted Justice Brett Kavanaugh wrote the majority opinion. The ruling was 5-4 to four that the CDC could continue the eviction moratorium so long as it does not renew it after July 31. Well, what did the CDC do? They renewed it in direct opposition of the Supreme Court. But I, the reason I want to bring this back up is because there's a part of this that I didn't even cover yesterday and the days prior, and that is that Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court justice, he wrote that the CDC order was blatantly illegal. 
but he refused to overturn it. Instead, he allowed it to lapse. But my question here for the Supreme Court is, if if there is something blatantly unconstitutional being done, why would you not end it? Why would you not end the illegality? I mean, we saw in Texas where the governor, Governor Greg Abbott, is attempting to fend off the illegal invaders down there on the southern border. Well, what happens? Some federal judge jumps in and intervenes and stops what the governor's doing. Now, I haven't looked at the merits of that case, but there you have a judge, in their opinion, what was being done by the governor. Governor Abbott was inappropriate and illegal. What does the judge do? He jumps right in and he strikes it down and he says, this must stop right now. Well, what does Kavanaugh do? (laughs) What does Justice Brent Kavanaugh do? He says, yeah, this is illegal, but we're going to let it continue. What? Since when have we allowed that to do illegal, unconstitutional things and we just let it expire? No, if it's unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. That means it needs to be struck down. This whole waiting and letting things expire, now you have the CDC blatantly ignoring the Supreme Court. And uh, the good news on that is that the National Association of Realtors, they have launched a, well, this is, yeah, this is the National Association of Realtors, but within that is like state-level associations. So a group of associations, they just appealed. Thankfully, they sued the CDC, and they are petitioning the Supreme Court to um, to weigh in here. Well, I'm sorry, this is not directly. This was filed within the District of Columbia at the at the District Court there, so the court below the Supreme Court, the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia, is where this group filed an appeal trying to get the Supreme Court to weigh in again on this illegal CDC order. Here's the headline from the Epoch Times. A group of real estate entities on Wednesday night issued a legal challenge in a Washington district court for the, to the Centers of D- Disease Control and Prevention new eviction moratorium. Landlords, real estate companies, and property management groups, including the Alabama Association of Realtors and its counterpart in Georgia, argued in their emergency motion that the latest eviction order issued by the Biden administration exceeds the agency's powers. According to a statement from the National Association of Realtors, this, uh, this goes on to talk about that roughly half of all housing providers are mom-and-pop operators. You know, we get this narrative from the, from, the, from the socialist out there that, well, these are a bunch of a big, rich Fortune 100 companies, and they don't need any rent money. You know, these are all the millionaires and billionaires out there, all the, all the elites, all the evil, rich people. They're the ones that own these properties. Well, that's not true. That's factually not true. Nearly half of all... Housing providers are mom-and-pop operators, small businesses. And it really doesn't matter, even if they are conglomerates, even if they are multi-million or multi-billion dollar companies, you pay rent, you pay rent. If there's rent due, you pay it. It doesn't matter if it's going to a Fortune 100 company or some Joe Smith down the street who owns three apartments. If you owe rent, you pay rent. That's absolutely a, a straw man argument to try to blame it on the rich people. But that's what these socialists do. And if you want to know the real-life effects 
um, of not paying your rent when you can pay your rent because you're getting federal unemployment or because you have a job and you just don't want to pay your rent just because you know you can or because you know you don't have to, we're going to play a clip here. This is a landlord out of North Carolina. He owns a 35 property. His name is Buddy Soup. He owns 35 properties in North Carolina. And here's his story on Fox News this morning about what has happened to him when people aren't paying their rent. The crime of it is half of the rental unit owners in America are mom and pop operators, people who cannot afford to lose. You've lost 20,000 bucks so far. Is there any chance that the federal government is going to make you whole, buddy? <laughs> no. And the bad part, the one thing that wasn't shown in that, the guy didn't pay me rent and evidently was getting money from somewhere and he had three boats. Well, lo and behold, the middle of the summer, their air conditioner went out. So I had to put about a $4,500 heat pump on that house to make sure that they stayed cool. And I didn't receive any rent or anything. So, you know, it goes way beyond the loss of rental income. We're still bound by yeah. county rules and laws. We have to maintain the property. Unbelievable. So the people who are not paying you rent called you up and said, hey, my air conditioner isn't working and you are bound by law to fix it. And now you're out yes. 5,000 bucks. Right. He's a good landlord. I'll tell you, he's a good landlord. Because if I was that landlord, I might have said, sorry, buddy, you're going to be out of out of cooling until you start paying me rent. You'll be sweating to the oldies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And that would have been a justified thing to do. You know, I'm not talking legally here. I'm talking about, um, talking about, I don't know, justification, maybe what's justified. It's justified to not fix the AC unit if the dude's not paying rent. And, you know, then, then you get into these laws about, you know, make, making sure you upkeep properties. And I get that. But, you know, where, where in the Constitution does it say that you have the right to have a cool home? That you, you have a right for your air conditioner unit to work? <laughs> That's not in the Constitution. So, but this, this landlord went above and beyond and spent $4,500 to fix an air conditioner unit when these people weren't paying rent. And they weren't paying rent because they didn't have the money. They weren't paying rent because they just didn't want to. And you want to know how we know that they had money? Because the dude bought three new boats over the summer. He bought three brand new boats with his stimulus money and the money he's making from his job. But he can't pay rent. We can't pay rent. And what does this landowner have to do? What kind of recourse does he have? Nothing. You want to know why? Because the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC is, is taking the slogan from the socialist and saying that housing is a human right. Housing is a human right. Housing is nice, but it's not a human right. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say that housing is a human right, that housing is a civil right. Housing is a luxury and it's a privilege. And we, we have we have totally taken our constitution and we've expanded it and we've stretched it to include all kind of stuff that is explicitly not included. And so this whole slogan that housing is a human right um, is absolute uh, falsehood. And I would say to that, uh, you got to pay your bills. You got to pay 
to stay in the property that someone else owns. And if you don't want to do that, then you should buy a home. You should be a homeowner and not a renter if you want to own your own property. And then you get your home paid off and you don't even have a mortgage. And then boom, literally you own the property. That's a novel idea. So this landlord's out $24,000 in rent due to the eviction moratorium. Um, tenants are out there buying boats and cars and all kind of stuff. Meanwhile, this tenant here is out $24,000. And I've read where some of these tenants are, or some of these landlords are having, or they're going bankrupt. They're having to sell their own personal homes. They're having to sell their own assets to uh, cover the bills because some of these, many of these landlords, they have, they're, they're financing these properties. If they don't have these properties paid off, well, they owe the bank a mortgage. They owe the bank a bill, and the the uh, the tenants aren't paying it. So this is absolutely unjust, absolutely insane. But you can thank the Biden administration. And, and if you think this brings more financial and economic stability, you're wrong. Uh, this creates more instability in the housing market, in the financial market. Um, and, and these people, it... it it will come to come back to haunt them. People who are not paying their rent just because they don't want to, this will come back to bite. You want to know why? Because the Supreme Court, I would bet, they're going to weigh in probably in the next week or two, and they're going to strike this illegal CDC order down, and all these people that owe 6 to 12 months of rent, they're going to have to pay it. They're going to have to pay it, or they're going to be evicted. They're going to have to pay it, or they're going to have to be evicted. And you have to pay back rent on this. This isn't this isn't you get forget six months forgiven. That's not what this is about. You have to pay the bills that you owe no matter what. We'll continue monitoring that. And if the Supreme Court takes up that case and weighs in, we'll be sure to bring that to you on the show. Hopefully, they will weigh in soon because the Supreme Court even admitted themselves that what the CDC did is illegal. So the Supreme Court should weigh in like yesterday striking down the CDC and rebuking them for disobeying a Supreme Court directive, a Supreme Court opinion, a Supreme Court order. AFA at the core. My name is Walker Wildman. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. Here in a few minutes, we'll have my brother, Wesley Wildman, in studio with us, Vice President of Outreach. We'll be talking about a few projects and events that we're working on. We'll be back in a few minutes. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Nick Vujicic, an entrepreneur and evangelist born without his four limbs due to a rare genetic condition, plans to launch Pro-Life Bank, a financial institution that will serve as an alternative to mainstream commercial banks, most of which donate heavily to Planned Parenthood. Vujicic believes he's in a unique position to address issues related to abortion, adoption, and foster care. About 90% of banks give toward abortion. He says Christians must have better options for using God's money. He added 50% of pro-life banks' net profits will be given to Judeo-Christian organizations to further the kingdom of God. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Is your girl a busy bee? Does she jump from one thing to the next, constantly changing where she is, who she's with, and what she's doing? Is she all activity and no rest? If so, she might be in activity confinement, essentially trapping her life inside of her fully scheduled calendar. Take a look at her schedule and her intentions. Is she overbooked? Stretched too thin? Is she trying to do it all and be it all? In His invitation to live abundantly, God doesn't call us to live gluttonously. He welcomes us to flourish in our ability and leave the rest to Him. Psalm 46.10 is the anthem to every busy bee in need of rest. Be still and know that I am God. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Good to be on the air with you today. Also on the internet at our website, AFR.net, and live streaming on our AFR app. Hey, coming up. In not too long, just in about a week or two, we're going to have our annual Truth for Youth Bible Week here on American Family Radio. Our national Truth for Youth Bible Week is coming up August 9 through 13. August 9 through 13 here on American Family Radio. And we'll be interviewing Tim Todd on the network about this uh, campaign. And we do this each year. Many of you who are faithful listeners are familiar with this. But what we do here is we provide Bibles for students all across the country. We provide, uh, in partnership with Tim Todd and a Truth for Youth Bible Week, we provide, uh, we raise, uh, well, actually Tim Todd, uh, the pastor there from Louisiana, he raises the money, most of it. AFA pitches in some. So he provides all the materials and the Bibles free of cost, and all we do on the air is publicize it, and then you can call in and get a Bible for your student or the, the, the teenager can call in themselves and get a Bible. Uh, so it's a great opportunity to get free Bibles into the hands of students all across the country as school is starting back up. Our goal this year is 60,000 Bibles. We want to get 60,000 Bibles into the hands of teens all across the country. And we hear testimony after testimony each year of where teenagers get a hold of this Bible, uh, they start reading the Bible, and, and they come to know Christ. They're convicted of their sins. The Holy Spirit comes upon them, 
and they come to know Christ. And this is absolutely a game changer for many teens across the country. So we're going to continue doing this. Our Truth For Youth Bible Week is coming up August 9 through 13 here on American Family Radio. So stay tuned for that. Speaking of campaigns and events, by the way, Wesley, welcome in the studio. You know what? I'm just wondering how long is it going to take? How many times do I need to come on in order for you not to wait five minutes in the program <laughs> to introduce me? I mean, come on. Well, you know, since you said that, no i got to cover two more stories, and then we'll get to you in okay. a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you do it. Look, next week, it. next week, if Bobby reminds me, I will get to you right out of the break. Because, see, I want to do proper radio, and I've thought about this, and, 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 and I listen to people, and I don't want to interrupt you. But Pop, I had, proper radio hey, is not to call out the host. That's true. Live okay. on the air. I back, but in, sorry, I continue. <laughs> continue. <laughs> but I had something I wanted to add, but I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, Please interrupt me. And I also didn't want to be like, uh, jump in and be like, who's that guy talking? Is my radio correct? Because yeah. some random guy's talking in the background. Nonetheless, one thing I wanted to add to the Truth for Youth uh, that's very important is that they also have worked with, in the past, ADF, and they include uh, in the Bible the the children's or the kids or the teenagers, their rights under the Constitution for their living out their faith in the public, in the public schools. So they remind you of that, and that just emboldens the students that much more to live out their faith. You know, we talked about this last Tuesday when I was on about the importance of the us getting back into the school year and the Christians that are involved in public schools and both in the teacher aspect, the coaching aspect, administration, but also the students. And um, I didn't have this information at the time, but that's a story uh, or a project that we're working on that I would have included in there. So mm-hmm. just remember that as it comes up. It's very important. It's been part of our ministry for some time, and we're going to cross over how many Bibles this year? Well, we're gonna we're gonna do sixty thousand. Our goal is sixty thousand Bibles just this year. But over the course of the last that's what I was asking decade plus, we've done over uh, two million Bibles. That's what I thought. Yeah. A total when you add up all the partnership all for all the years we've done uh, with Tim Todd and and some of that's done. He he does this year round. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of that's done on his own time. But we're gonna do that next week here on American Family Radio. And you know, Wesley, one thing I love about AFR is. Our listeners are top notch. Mm-hmm. Our listeners are top notch, and they come through on all of our campaigns. We have the preborn campaign that we do each January, right. where we raise money for ultrasounds, for free ultrasounds for mothers who are expecting a child, because we know based on the studies that preborn has a hold of, and the studies that preborn has done, uh, up to eighty-five percent of of new moms. That uh, that are abortion-minded, that are considering abortion, they uh, up to 85% of them choose life when they get to see their baby on an ultrasound. So we're partnering with Preborn each year. That'll come up in January uh, to put uh, free ultrasounds in the hands of mothers. And before we get to the reason I'm on the program today, I also wanted to add that the reason that we partner with so many people, and you can find out the list of people that we partner with, people and ministries, I say people because all the people that are responsible for these ministries, we have a relationship with. So they're, they're, they're ministries, but there's people within the ministries, obviously, to keep it running. But the people we know that are involved with the, these ministries, uh, you can find out more about them. You can see all the ones we're partnered with on AFR.net slash God's Work, mm-hmm. or just go to AFA, AFR.net. Sorry, that's AFR.net, and you can see the tab there at the top says God's Work. Uh, one thing I'll say about that, if you're wondering, the reason we partner with these particular groups of people, we don't partner with everybody we can. It's impossible. 
But we select these particular groups because my pawpaw, Don Wildman, Walker's pawpaw, was very intentional about uh, sharing our platform with those that are doing good ministries but doing things different than we are. Yeah. And that way we can partner together. We all know the passage of Scripture in Corinthians where it talks about the body of Christ has different parts. Mm-hmm. And so what we've done, we've been very intentional and very specific about partnering with things like Eight Days of Hope when they provide disaster relief and the other ones you've mentioned today. So um, I'm, I'm, it's, it's been um, it was a challenge for me, if I can be honest, because I went to business school. Mm-hmm. And you do not <laughs> – Bobby's giving me the fist bump – but you do not, in business school, for good reasons, you know, that you don't share your platform with other people unless there's some financial gain right. involved. So it was, it was a, it was, I had to reset, and then I had to understand why Pawpaw did what we did. And I fully support Pawpaw's vision with that. Yeah, there, there's a healthy balance there. Sure. Ministry and business, those two can work together. But um, Pawpaw's so. done a good job of instilling with us here to share our platform with others. So yeah. we're grateful to do that. Speaking about sharing our platform – Thank you for having me on because I want to talk about a couple of projects that I'm involved with. Uh, most people don't know this. But a lot of people would, they wonder, where does Wesley go when he's not on the, 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 the 30 minutes a week, he's not on the radio program. What's he doing? Well, uh, my name is Wesley Wildman. I serve as the vice president. <laughs> Bobby's but, laughing because he saw Wesley uh, putt-putting in the hallway <laughs> yesterday. Yeah, with, with, coffee and pop- with coffee and popcorn. No, I totally, so. I totally just made that up. You, told, you did make that up. You're, you're a hard worker. I'm a hard worker. But, um, you so both I, are. Thank you. You both are. Well, I'm not I'm – not, uh, everybody's got their different roles, and I'm not uh, on the radio uh, that much. But I, what I do do is I work as a vice president of outreach, and so I travel around the country – and meet our financial supporters. And I do a wide range of connections with our supporters. We did a conference call the other night with a handful of supporters. We uh, have done donor appreciation night events. Some people that are listening have been a part of those. I do uh, town halls where they're open to the public. And I've done a roughly, if I could think back to the last update, it's been a couple of weeks since I looked, but I've done roughly 40 of 38 or 40 events. And I've shaken hands or got to talk with in a, in a, small group setting about eight or ten thousand people in the last mm-hmm. five or six years so yeah since you started yeah since i've started so um with that said some of the things we're working on we have a w- one thing i'm really really excited about walker and i know our listeners are going to be really excited about this and that's that we have a whole new outreach that we're doing we we we, we uh, tested it out we dabbled with it in this past uh spring but we're at full force now and that's called the Marriage Family Life Date Nights. The Marriage Family Life Date Nights. We have three events coming up this fall. August 24th, we'll be in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. September 21st, we will be in Jackson, Tennessee. November 9th, AFR and AFA uh, with the Marriage Family Life Date Nights locations will also be in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's November 9th, and you can find all those locations, all the details at afa.net slash events, afa.net slash events. And I'm waiting, Walker, for you to interrupt me and ask me what these are. Yes, I was going to just do that. No, I, I was going to give a little background to here. Okay. You know, many people, uh, some have Bobby participated. Many of our listeners have been to a Marriage Family Life conference. Yes. Right. Our annual conference that we have here at our headquarters here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Well, these are like miniature MFL conferences. That's right. Uh, they're one night, about two hours. Uh, the average time is 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. 
at these different locations that you mentioned. Uh, Will and Mickey are going to be your host for the mm-hmm. evening. That's right. You'll be at some of them. I'll be at at least one or two of them. Um, so that's exciting. But these date nights are aimed at helping couples. I mean, that's why it's called a date right. night, but it's aimed at providing biblical advice and counseling and encouragement uh, so we can strengthen marriages. Because as you and I have talked about before, having strong marriages is key to retaking our culture. It absolutely is. And while we're there, just a little bit of what you can expect. Uh, Will will go first. He'll share. Well, actually, let me take that back. No, that's not true. Mickey and Will will go together first. I'll emcee the event, so I'll keep it going and provide some comic relief and, and have fun along the way and keep keep everything moving. But Mickey and Will, actually, they play a game show. So they'll mm. play a game. We'll have a couple of the, the uh, audience come down, and we'll do a marriage, a husband-wife battle in front of everybody. And so that's always a fun time. We ask them some silly questions and make sure that they know their spouse pretty well. And then we transition into some uh, food. We eat a little food and fellowship, and then we conclude with Mickey and Will sharing separately for eight or ten minutes, and then we do Q&A at the end for marriages. Yeah, that first date night we did here in Tupelo, Mississippi last year. Um, 500 people. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was excellent. Yeah. That was our first run at it. And I've got to say, some of the questions, some of the trivia funny. questions that Will and Mickey uh, – questioned the uh, married couples with yeah i mean i was looking at my wife thinking baby baby, i don't know that answer about (laughs) you so i'm glad i wasn't called upon yeah Um, for sure some of them though it it really reveals questions too yeah but some of them were like pretty simple questions you know like what's your spouse's favorite dessert yeah things like that where well the one that got me was the one where they said do you remember what your spouse bought last yeah that's a good (laughs) one but but it really does reveal you know how in many cases, we need to make sure we're connecting with our spouse yeah, and that we know what's going on in their life and we can answer those fun, simple questions about what their what their likes are. Yeah. It becomes very enlightening. It does. It really does. Hey, speaking about that, uh, another thing that we didn't have in the fall, or sorry, that we did not have in the spring, that will be a, an additional complimentary resource that we will give you for free if you come to these events is we're, co- we're working on together right now a little pamphlet to complement the content that you'll learn there, in addition to not just questions you can ask your spouse that comes from the event, but a whole list of other things as 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 a game that you and your spouse can play as you're traveling, as you're driving together, or maybe as you're sitting on the couch and on the weekends, you know, and the kids are asleep. Well, we're going to provide some funny questions, and so you'll get that yeah. resource completely for free if you come to the event. Yeah, I remember there was one couple that – they had driven several hours <laughs> to the event. Yeah, they were from Texas, I believe. Yeah, like yeah. Dallas or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was either them or another couple, but there was one couple that drove a pretty good ways, and they uh, they had an argument on the way. Yeah. <laughs> they had an argument yeah. on the way. And what was hilarious is, it's hilarious now. It probably wasn't funny then, but they didn't know. They forgot what they argued about. Yes. They forgot what they yes. argued about. And but it, it showed, you know, here we are as humans, as married couples, and oftentimes we get in these spats about stuff that we it's so Im- unimportant to us, but we gotta argue, right? It's so unimportant that after the fact, an hour later we don't even remember what it was about. So yeah. that was hey, that was funny yet uh very enlightening there. You know, speaking about stories and testimonies, I think we have enough time here. I wanted to share one testimony. Having done two of these events, and this being the, one of the new projects from Marriage Family Life as we come up on the spring and the following year, 
uh, I'll I'll paraphrase the I'll give you the the um the context behind this, and then I'll read specifically word for word one of the testimonies that we received in our inbox as a result of the marriage family life date nights that Mickey and Will and myself were doing. So um, there was a couple that came in. We were in Florence, Alabama, and she uh, I asked them to be a part of uh, the Q and or the Q and A the the game show part of yeah. the evening. So they were part of it and all that. But when they got through. They, she emailed us and told us this. She said, hey, I just want to let you know, and I'm not, I'm paraphrasing here. I'll read specifically in quotes here in a minute what she says, but I'm paraphrasing that she said, look, our marriage was uh, a disaster. She said, for the last five years, our marriage has been spiraling completely out of control, so much so that they actually split up. And their husband actually had walked out and said they weren't, they weren't going to, weren't doing this anymore. Um, and I don't know what the fights were over or anything like that, but he said he's out. Well, a week later, he wanted to come back and try to resolve it, and it was just a real low spot. Well, she said, I'll tell you what. If you go with me to this marriage family life date night in Tupelo, Mississippi, then we will. Um, then we'll, that will be a sign for us that we there's still hope here. Well, he actually bailed and said that he had to work that night. Well, then he came back a little later, and said, where's another one, and we'll, and we'll go to it. Well, the one that was in Florence was actually twice the distance of the one in Chupla from where they lived. Huh. And he said, but he was committed to showing her that he was interested in keeping the marriage together. So they came to the date night. Not knowing that, I asked them to be a part of the evening. They were a part of it. They got finished. And this is what I'll say after they got through with the Q&A. This is her right here in quotes right here. At the end of the presentation, I looked at my husband, and with tears in his eyes, my heart felt so loved and compassion toward him in that moment. God wanted us there. He wanted us to be a part, but he wanted us to both put our prides aside and to get to the bottom of what is tearing our marriage apart. The drive home was very different from the drive there. We still have a bit of ways to go. We need more of these marriage family life date nights. And here's the final sentence. I have so much more I want to say. But uh, but I'm not going to ramble on. I just wanted to let you know that at least one marriage has been saved because of the marriage family life date nights. Wow. Amen. 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 That's powerful. Praise God. And that's not because of anything we're doing. That's because no. the power of the Holy Spirit right yes. there. Absolutely. The Word of God. Convicting that Absolutely. couple. Absolutely. Well, folks, when you support American Family Association, that's what you're supporting. You're supporting uh, this radio network and events like these date nights. So appreciate it, Wesley. Hey, I'm glad to be on. Appreciate it. All right. I'll let you introduce yourself uh, next time you're on the show. <laughs> Quicker. Don't wait so long. All right. AFA at the core. Walker Wildman will be back in a few minutes with more news of the day. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. 
We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch to you can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now. And it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833 Bible. That's 833 Bible. 833 Bible. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. Throughout our nation, we see concerted efforts to fundamentally transform America into a socialist regime. The biggest prize of all, our children. Capture the minds of an entire generation and the revolution will be a seamless transformation. And the means of doing so are through the public schools. While many teachers just want to teach the three R's, their hands are tied by administrators and government dictates, which have turned public schools into indoctrination centers for leftist ideology. Powerful gay and transgender groups pressure schools to implement LGBT programs. Planned Parenthood is the largest provider of sex ed curriculum in public schools, and critical race theory is now mainstreamed all the way down to elementary classrooms, teaching children that white people are inherently racist. This is a Decency Minute. I'm Bill Johnson. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the last segment of AFA at the Core. If you want to know what our core values are here at the American Family Association, what our vision is, you can go to our website, AFA.net. And when you click on the Who We Are tab, you'll see our mission, vision, and values uh, statement. And you can read more about the work of American Family Association. AFA is the parent ministry to American Family Radio, and AFR is the network you're listening to now. Reading from our Mission, Vision, and Values page, uh, the vision of American Family Association is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. And then we have our core values there. Many of them are a couple of them, stewardship, Religious liberty, sanctity of human life, and we have three others, morality, marriage and family, and evangelism and discipleship. And that's why we're doing those date nights, because we care about marriages and we care about families. So that's why we're doing those marriage, family, life date nights. The uh, Biden administration, uh, the president himself, he said at a CNN town hall several weeks ago uh, that uh, these big spending bills he's working on with Congress, these so-called infrastructure bills, he has said on multiple occasions that they're actually going to ease inflation. That's what he said. And quoting him directly from that CNN town hall that I'm talking about, here's what he said. 
when questioned about inflation and then these big spending bills, he said, no, look, here's the deal. Moody's today went out, a Wall Street firm, not some liberal think tank, said if we passed the other two things, talking about the two infrastructure bills that I'm trying to get done, we will, in fact, reduce inflation. Reduce inflation, reduce inflation. That's what the president himself said. Well, we know that's not true. We know that spending more money does the opposite. It makes inflation worse. It makes inflation worse. And that's what the Biden administration is trying to do. You know, I told you that they were going to pass both of these bills, that they're going to pass the bipartisan bill with the Republicans' help, and then they're going to go ahead and pass this $3.5 trillion bill right after it. Well, it turns out I was onto something. We're going to play clip five here. This is Pete Buttigieg, the transportation secretary, talking about how they're going to pass these two pieces of legislation, and it's going to help ease inflation. Clip five. Well, what we've done is made clear the president's priorities and an economic vision that has two different pieces and that when you add them up are going to be good for the country and good for the economy. In fact, a lot of independent modeling has shown that they will create millions of jobs and, importantly, that if we get both of these bills passed and signed, it will also help ease inflationary pressures uh, by helping improve the the labor market. So whether we're talking about uh, the transportation pieces that I work on that are in this bipartisan bill uh, or the the measures to do things like make sure every American can get paid family leave. Well, that's, that's, um, man, that Pete Buttigieg, he was on uh, with Wolf Blitzer there on the Situation Room. He should have been called out so quick. That is not true. Spending more money, if you look at economics and you just understand it from like an elementary level, when there's inflation going on, when there's inflationary pressure, the last thing you should do is spend more money, is pump more fake money into the economy. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to print more money to insert into the economy, and they're claiming it will ease inflation. That's not true. And the report that Joe Biden, the president, cited in that CNN town hall, that Moody's report, it actually does not say that this is going to ease inflation. It does not say that. Uh, It actually says that worries that the plan will ignite undesirably high inflation and an overheating economy. It says they're overdone, but then it goes on to say that inflation, inflationary worries cannot be dismissed when it comes to these spending packages. So the president there cited half of uh, that Moody report. And I have, we have examples and, and many of you out there know, you know, businesses that can't find workers. We've all run into some kind of business, either a restaurant or another kind of uh, business, and they say, we we don't have enough workers. We don't have enough workers. Our uh, local hospital here doesn't, in North Mississippi, doesn't have enough nurses, doesn't have enough hospital workers. They They have enough beds. They have enough capacity when it comes to space, but they don't have enough workers to work the hospital, so they're having to send people elsewhere. And that's that that kind of a issue is being experienced across the country. You've got restaurants who are who are having decide to decide: Do I keep my drive-through open or do I keep my dining room open? Because I can't do both. I don't have enough workers. I go through a local drive-through um, fast food chain about two weeks ago to grab a hamburger, and I sit in the drive-through for about twenty minutes. 
And it's not because, uh, you know, they're, they don't have the proper kitchen equipment. It's because they don't have enough workers uh, to cook the food. So that's a major issue. Speaking of that, here we have a restaurant owner in um, up in the Northeast. He owns this uh, fellow's name. He's uh, Chris Kunich. And he's talking in clip one about his worker shortage and how this is the worst he's experienced. Let's listen. It is the biggest labor crisis we've ever dealt with. You know, I heard a number mentioned before. There's 9 million jobs across this country available to people. And uh, quite honestly, you know, the unemployment that these people are getting, you know, they're not making more than they would be if they're working, but they're making enough to sit on their couch and not come back to work. And that's very, very frustrating. Yeah. So that's a business owner. That's a restaurant owner there saying this is the worst he's seen, the worst labor shortage he's seen. And it's not because there's lack of jobs. It's because there's lack of people who are willing to get off the couch and go to work. And that's what our country is experiencing right now. And this, this, uh, something's going to have to give. Something's going to have to give. You can't have all these different factors coming together at the same time, all parallel, whether it be the labor shortage, whether it be the inflationary pressure, uh, these massive spending bills, uh, you got the housing market shortage. You've got all these different economic issues. You've got the supply chain issues, and all of these are really interconnected. All of these are going on at the same time, and, and our country can't sustain this. This cannot be sustained. Because one thing about this infrastructure bill that's not being talked about, but it's a reality, is that this infrastructure bill is going to allot hundreds of billions of dollars for construction projects across the country. Well, Construction companies, they can't get the supplies to do the projects. I mean, we're building a building here on our campus, and we've experienced multiple supply shortages, multiple supply delays on basic building materials. Well, the government here, they're going to pump a couple trillion dollars into the economy in the name of infrastructure. Well, how do you do infrastructure? Well, you hire construction companies, and what do they do? They purchase supplies and materials to do the construction project. Well, we're about to do all this, and they're not going to be able to get it done. And then you've got all these buildings and houses that need to be built because we have a market shortage, and they're going to, it's going to create a massive backlog that is going to have, to have to give at some point in some way. You know, we talk often about how the Democrats are hypocrites. Well, today is no different. Cori Bush, the Democrat from, uh, let's see, I think, oh, she's from Missouri. She's a Democrat rep, Cori Bush from Missouri. Well, she's been a part of this whole, um, this whole eviction moratorium protest. They slept in front of the Capitol with their face mask on during the pictures, and then they take it off when they're, when the cameras aren't out. Well, she was doing an interview about all of this news going on in Washington, D.C., and she was questioned about her private security. Because many of these Democrats, they have private security. I covered the cost last week that these Democrat-run cities use to protect their city officials. Hundreds of thousands, in some cases, millions of dollars. Well, Cori Bush, she did not like being questioned about that. So let's listen to clip six. The thing, I won't let them get that off. You can't get that off. I'm going to make sure I have security because I know I have had attempts on my life and I have too much work to do. There are too many people that need help right now for me to, to allow that. So if I end up spending 200000 if I spend 10, 10, 10 more dollars on it, you know what? I get to be here to do the work. So suck it up and defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police and put that money into social safety nets. Well, you know, this this is typical 
typical elite fashion. And Corey Bush, the representative from Missouri, she might call she might come from small small beginnings, she might come from a small town. She might have had a tough upbringing in poverty because that's what I read about her story. And that all may be true, but now that she's a representative in Washington DC, she feels entitled to private security. Entitled to personal security. And in and of itself, that's really not a problem. If an American has the money and they want to hire private security, that's fine. It's America. They can do that. But at the same time, you can't say that we need to take away one of the only security, one of the only safeguards that many Americans have, and that is law enforcement. That is police officers. Representative Cori Bush, she wants to have law enforcement. She wants to have armed guards protect her because she's important. She's a, she's a, a Democrat representative. She deserves to be protected. The stuff that she's working on is monumental, and she's got to be around to finish her work. That's the narrative. She's very important, a very important person. But the kids in Chicago getting shot every weekend, well, ah, too bad. Too bad for them. Too bad for the little kids who are shot dead in, 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 in Chicago in New York City. Too bad for the grandmother in New York City who gets beat over the head so they can steal her purse. That's just too bad. She's just not important enough. She's not fighting a good enough cause. She's not a Democrat representative in Washington, D.C. So it's too bad for her. She doesn't deserve to be protected because her life is not worth enough and she's not fighting enough righteous causes to have armed guards. That's what we get. And this hypocrisy where they get protected but we don't, that goes on all the time, all the time. They want to defund the police for your average Americans, for your middle-class workers, your low-income families in inner cities. Uh, but when, when, when they need protection, oh, do they get it, and they'll spend as much money as they need to make sure they're protected and this goes, this leads us into another point where the elites, they're more privileged, more special, more important than we are. And so they deserve things that we don't get. Well, this is John Kerry. His, his jet has, his, he's taken about 16 flights this year. Just this year, he's taken already 16 flights. John Kerry, yes, the leader the liaison on climate change. Uh, he's heading up a commission on climate change for Joe Biden for the White House. Well, he's already taken 16 flights since January on his private jet. And this is a Fox News report. Uh, but according to Fox News, Kerry's private jet tied to President uh, Biden's point person in the effort to lower greenhouse gas emissions took 16 flights since January raising questions about how much his family contributed to the problem. The story goes on to say that many of the flights occurred within Massachusetts, including Martha's Vineyard and Boston International Airport, meaning they're flying interstate. They're like flying like an hour. What would take two hours to drive? They're flying it. Unbelievable. At least uh, two flights took place between uh, Massachusetts and New Jersey. The story goes on to cite and an independent article that's an outlet out of the UK and here's what the independent had to say about carbon emissions private jets versus 
public airlines that you can uh, passenger planes. Although the amount of fuel burned are burnt and therefore CO2 emitted is a lot lower than a commercial jet. Talking about private jets. General, generally speaking, there will be far fewer people on board. Private jets are therefore considerably less efficient, and the personal carbon footprint of, of passengers who choose to travel this way is much higher. Talking about private jets. Some estimates say that uh, private jets produce 10 times the amount of carbon per passenger, although calculations clearly vary depending on the make and the model of the aircraft. Well, John Kerry there, and his excuse for this is that he is an important person and he is doing important business. That was his narrative that he said back months ago when he was pressured and he was he was questioned by a reporter overseas about his carbon footprint and his uh, private jet use. He said, "Well, I'm I'm basically I'm working to save the world, so my carbon footprint is justified." And then he goes on to say, "And I'm I'm offsetting it. I'm offsetting my carbon footprint, so I can ride a private jet, and it's no problem because I'm doing righteous work." Corey Bush, the representative from Missouri, she says that she is doing good work, important work, so private security is justified for her uh, because she her life is in danger and she's doing important work. But you and I, well, we'll just have to fend for ourselves. The hypocrisy knows no end when it comes to these Democrats. One other story Real quick, Wisconsin elected, uh, election officials cancel over 205,000 voter registrations because these voters were ineligible. They were inactive voters. Well, Wisconsin officials canceled over 205,000 of them. Well, they were supposed to do this before November 2020, but they didn't. They waited until now. Even they disobeyed state law. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. AFA at the core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. We'll be back tomorrow with more. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.